Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Hello, DealQuest listeners. I am here to talk about deals during the COVID era. So, you know, we've talked in the past on a solo cast or two about just in general, about, you know, the opportunities that come up in challenging times and things to watch out for. And, you know, we even alluded to some of this at the beginning. But you know, now that we are, you know, what are we, uh, six plus months, uh, you know, uh, I mean, really March, things started locking down. February, you know, we started hearing about it maybe late. So, you know, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, we're what, eight months in now. So I want to talk about what I've seen happening on the deal front during this time. And it's interesting because it's hard to compare this to any other time. You know, the Great Recession was very, very different. The other recessions and, you know, challenges were very, very different. You know, you have this situation where there's a real dichotomy where some industries are doing really well and some are not doing that well. There's also this, you know, question about when things are going to come back and when things are going to calm down in terms of the virus. And there's also people getting used to the new normal, so to speak. So let's talk about a little more specifically about what's happening. There's a lot of reporting out there showing overall, uh, you know, in the M&A market. And we're not going to just talk about M&A, but let's start there. But I want to talk about other types of deals during this time as well. But in the M&A market, you know, in terms of the bigger surveys of bigger deals, most of the surveys I've seen show the market to be down about 30% in terms of deal volume uh, of M&A over the COVID uh, period. There are definitely exceptions. I mean, in, in one of the reports I saw, transportation and logistics have sort of come back up. Agriculture and food uh, have come back up. And, and that's an interesting thing, what you see. In May, April, May, there was definitely a you know, significant dip in most industries. And then some of them you're seeing, when, you know, when you're getting out to August, September, or even July, they're coming back. You know, I had Dave DeVoe on the last episode of, of DealQuest before this one. And, you know, he focuses in the uh, investment advisory space, the wealth management space, where we have a big niche. And he says we're in a surge now. And that's been our experience. We have a lot of deals going on in that space. You know, whereas we had this, you know, this drop in March and April, and then, you know, people waiting to see, et cetera. Well, now, you know, the, the stock market came back and mostly, you know, advisors charge assets under management fees, meaning that they're Revenue is very tied to where the market is. You know, the market came back and, you know, and deals came back pretty quickly. It was really uh, much more of a V-curve in that industry and valuation stayed strong. In other industries, again, you see, you know, 30% down in a lot of cases. But even in, in those uh, other industries, you see the, um, like the uh, gap between, let's say, this year and last year narrowing in a lot of, se- in some sectors at least, as we're getting into um, August and September. And that's not surprising. I mean, you got companies like like Boeing canceling, you know, deals that major deals that they were looking at acquisitions, which is, I mean, who could be shocked by that with what's going on in the, you know, 
in the airline industry and things like that. So, you know, some of them are to be very much expected, but I've never seen such a mixed bag like this. And it's also such a mixed bag where I know, you know, some businesses are really, you know, super successful in this time. I mean, certainly anything around uh, logistics, home delivery, technology, food, home exercise, things like that are doing really, really well. And I can't imagine that some of those companies aren't going to use, you know, those good times to uh, acquire some of the weaker competitors. And you see some of that going on on the M&A side. Like I said, it's a very interesting time. I think the things to think about, I think, and not only in my opinion, but everybody I talked to, you know, spoken to a lot of people and wherever they are in the cycle, uh, the studies are showing the same thing that I'm hearing is that people are still optimistic they still are intending to do deals. Some of them may be just pausing a little bit to wait and see. You know, there's still a lot of capital available out there. So that's a driver, definitely, when you can access capital. And I think, you know, people aren't looking at this, looking at this as a permanent situation. Now, listen, if you're in a restaurant industry or some retail, you know, or, you know, health clubs, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, there's bank, you know, 24-hour fitness, a bunch of the other ones when, you know, retailers, uh, you know, have gone bankrupt. But, you know, even those companies are going to reorganize and they're going to get better, you know, financing and they're going to come out of it stronger and cleaner with cleaner balance sheets. That's what happens out of bankruptcy. You know, it wouldn't be shocking, you know, if uh, when things start turning around that uh, they're not even more well positioned to do deals than they were before. So it's interesting to continue to monitor this on the M&A side. Now, there's some other things that I, you know, I want to talk about outside of M&A, you know, that are interesting and, and, you know, uh, sort of one-off kind of strange deals. I, you know, I noticed, I, you know, I watched the TV show, The Voice. They actually, you know, bought out or rented out, or I don't know the exact deal, uh, one of the Vegas hotels and set it up as their bubble for the show. So, you know, a lot of these uh, live uh, reality shows, uh, I'm not a big reality show guy, but, we, but uh, my wife and I like a couple of the singing shows like The Voice. And, uh, you know, midway through last season, they ended up having to go virtual and it was kind of clunky. You know, people were singing from home and uh, there wasn't a live audience, obviously, and the judges were from home and they were trying to do it all by video conference. And, you know, it, it, it worked well, sometimes not so well. Well, you know, they, they've adjusted and coming into this season, they said, hey, how can we do this while maintaining uh, safety precautions and create, you know, a new way to do it? So what, they, what they've done on just as, on the voices example, I'm not really going to give them a big commercial, but it does relate to this cause them to do a deal which is that they, uh, they decided, hey, they want to have uh, the coaches live, they want to have the singers live, uh, the host is live, and then they have all these video screens of people, the audience by video, who are you know, live reacting. And what they did was they said, hey, how are we going to do this to keep this safe? So they created a bubble by renting out this hotel. Now, for the hotel, think about it. The hotel is hurting, I'm sure, because uh, you know, there's not many people going to Vegas. So my guess is, and I don't know the deal, my guess is that the hotel's not making as much money as they would in the, during their peak times when they fill it up with individuals, that's for sure. But at the same time, compared to what they would be able to uh, do with the occupancy being, you know, significantly down, in some cases, 80, 70, 60% down, you know, that this was a good deal for them. So they cut a deal uh, with the producers or whoever it is of The Voice, and it becomes the bubble for The Voice where the Ketsons come in, they stay, they quarantine for a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, before they go on stage and then... Uh, you know, then they can go on stage. I mean, they're still keeping distances from the judges and all that kind of stuff, you know, but a buyout deal or a rent, you know, I don't know if it's the hotel, the full hotel or a part of the hotel, you know, an interesting deal uh, to get the show up on the air and also give some revenue to the hotel. 
you know, you see this, you know, some of the sporting stadiums or whatever, right, for the, some of the pro, you know, stadiums that are creating bubbles, that, you know, that's a little different because those are stadiums that are within, um, you know, the uh, sort of the league already. But, you know, it raises some interesting entrepreneurial opportunities, right? You know, to create sort of these bubbles, these safe spaces, what kind of, you know, if you own real estate that's being underutilized or have some sort of business that has space that's being underutilized, you know, it's a good idea to start thinking about how you can be creative to create, you know, that space for people who are looking for it, especially if it's big enough, you know, to house something where you can create one of those bubbles. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. For me, that's that's an interesting deal, an interesting entrepreneurial pivot. And you know, something to think about you know, and how you could apply that to your business. I love these concepts where you can, you know, many episodes ago, I had Damon Gersh on and he talked about the concept of choke point where, you know, you find out what is the choke point? What is the thing in your industry that if you control it, you know, you're set. And he controlled labor during 9-11 and ended up getting all the contracts because nobody else had the, he had locked up all the labor. There are, you know, interesting concepts like that you could do in, in times like these that, you know, I think there's an opportunity to start thinking about. So, you know, for me, I'll tell you what we're seeing. Obviously, our wealth management, uh, investment advisory clients, we're, you know, our personal experience at the law firm is uh, is similar to what the stats, you know, I was saying that, you know, DeVoe said that it's a spike going on. It's, uh, and we've seen that. We got a lot of deals going on in that space. We certainly have deals going on in the tech space. That space is still, you know, is still strong overall. And I know tech's a big, a big conversation. You know, but, um, you know, obviously uh, companies that are used to working virtually and, and their services are delivered virtually are less affected. And in fact, in many cases, even they're even doing better than they were previously. So there's ability to do, uh, to do those, in the, you know, in that space. Interestingly, what I have not seen yet, and, you know, we talked about this in, in prior shows where I talk about opportunities, where when you get into recessions and values go down and companies are in trouble, there's a lot of opportunities to do deals because you get companies cheap, you get talent cheap, people are you know tired, they don't wanna fight through the next cycle. Personally, I have not seen as much of that yet. And I haven't read about even that much of that happening. I think in part because you know we're eight months or something into this, and uh, you know, usually that stage comes more, you know, 18 months, two years, two and a half, you know, uh, two years into a recession. And we're not there yet. And two, because it is not really, I mean, it's really a mixed bag. So, you know, you don't have that overall recession, although certainly certain industries have been very, very poor, barely hit. And third of all, I think people are just still thinking that this is temporary. Now, I don't mean temporary. Listen, a lot of people who go in the other direction say, oh, you know, COVID is going to be around for a long time. But the impact of it, people are just questioning whether or not it's, there's going to be a long-term impact, you know, because as uh, businesses adjust and are able to take more precautions, as the laws, lo- you know, loosen up a little bit, as people are more willing to get back out there with masks or whatever they're doing, as they get more used to it, you know, in dealing with whatever it's going to be, I think the mentality of a lot of people is, hey, you know, we may be able to come out of this in a lot of industries. Now, not every industry. 
So, you know, but I think we have, I think because of all those factors, we have not yet seen, you know, these fire sales, bargain basement. Obviously, listen, you got some industries, like I said, that are, you know, that are really hurting. And, and I guess there's maybe some stuff going on those. For the most part, we don't represent any airlines. I do have some restaurant clients, but it's not a huge, huge segment of ours. So, uh, you know, there may be some things going on in some set really hurt sectors that I'm a little less familiar with. But overall, again, I haven't read the studies or I haven't seen, you know, that hit that hard. I mean, usually those of us in the industry know when things are getting to the point where there's a lot of fire sale kind of deals or, you know, opportunities like that. So that's, you know, that's not happening uh, yet on a mass scale across industries, that's for sure. And, you know, it's interesting because the capital hasn't dried up either. This, you know, I think capital is being deployed and or maybe waiting a little bit, being a little more picky on the sidelines. But it's still, you know, it's still there and it's still ready to go. And, you know, and I think the attitude is ready to go. You know, one of the things I read in one of these surveys is that you know, it's about 88% of the deals in the bigger M&A are strategic buyers, which doesn't surprise me. That's, I mean, you know, there are more strategic deals in a lot of industries than there are financial buyers, you know, especially at this time where shoring up your strength and your relationships and your, you know, uh, the people who advise you and the synergies that a strategic buyer can bring, you know, in challenging times, that's even more and more important, right? So it's not shocking to me that there's such a high percentage of strategic buyers still, you know, I haven't, you know, which sort of relates to the fact that there's not, you know, sometimes in, uh, in the challenging times, like I said, which I haven't seen as much, you know, where there are really bargain basement deals, you get some of these vulture funds in, which are really financial buyers just buying on the cheap and looking to flip. Haven't seen a lot of that yet either. So whether it's on the smaller side or the biggest side. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, listen, I'd love to hear your experience with your industry, with your business in terms of what's you see in the deal market during COVID and how it's impacted things. You know, definitely uh, would love to, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn, or social media, you know, any of the sites or, uh, you know, ping me and, and, you know, if you have some information on that, I'd love to continue to report it out so people can get a feel for uh, what is going on uh, during these times of, uh, you know, COVID-19. Because listen, obviously, depending on how long this takes and how things develop, I think we'll see uh, different trends. I mean, there are certainly uh, companies holding on. Government assistance has helped, the PPP loans, things like that, which we're still waiting for information on exactly, you know, I mean, they've said now under $50,000, there's an easy form. Some, some are pushing for it to be under 150000 And also, you know, to get some more detailed regulations on forgiveness, also whether it's going to be... Um, whether the expenses related to it are going to be taxable or not. You know, but I think having, injecting some of that money into the entrepreneurial community also helped keep people around a little more, a little more optimistic. And certainly the, uh, most of the companies that, that took PPP loans may, may not be doing M&A deals, but they may be able to be doing some sort of strategic alliances, joint ventures and things like that, because they're not, you know, they weren't scrambling to figure out how they're going to pay their people or laying off key people who could be helping get uh, these kind of, you know, deals together. So, you know, I think I'm going to leave it there. I, I really do want to encourage you to give me your insights in your particular industries, you know, and whether it's uh, through social or, or join us on our deal den monthly call, monthly mastermind calls, you know, let's, uh, you know, get a little crowdsourcing of information. You know, I want to keep monitoring this. We've been fortunate that we have been very, very busy and a chunk of it is with deals. So our little microcosm at Comfort Associates and the law firm side is strong, but then again, you know, we have a lot of clients in financial services and tech, and those are sectors that are doing really well. So overall, we've been keeping very busy, but you know, it's like I said, it's a patchwork. It's really uneven. So uh, let me know what you're seeing in your particular industry. 
And um, if I can help you brainstorm about deal-driven growth and deals that could help your business, happy to do that. This is Corey Kupfer signing off for uh, this week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.